0: The segment of NTC has dropped. Sure. Customers are getting uh, a credit history. They're actually getting savvy about understanding what even a credit history means. Hmm. All of a sudden, you have 19-year-old, 20-year-old, no what a civil score is. Sure you surprise, uh,
1: do you know those uh, heavy-duty construction equipment, JCB right. equivalents? Yeah. Uh, imagine influencer marketing working as a very valuable channel for them because there's ah. a bunch of guys who actually demonstrate these equipment and their merits and demerits on YouTube and okay. Instagram, and there is people who follow that and actually make decisions from there. So Our care. ideas
0: that acquire customers from there immediately have you know one there is a problem that you might acquire customers but don't get them to do the first transaction. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. as good well as a dead customer, but you essentially burn the entire CAC to get that customer. Sure. At a shop, you're getting a customer who you acquired plus also according to do the first transaction, so he's already had his aha moment. Yeah. To at this product. Sure.
1: User engagement and retention is a crucial but least understood aspect of a growing a successful business. We are here to change that. Hi, this is Zankur. Join me as I dive into conversation with the best and brightest minds, user engagement, to help you navigate the why, what and how's this subject. Good morning from this lovely office of Kishtan Ring in Bandra Kurla complex, overlooking the Mumbai airport. So, I saw five aircraft taking off while I was waiting for Karan here, and uh, very interesting place, very lively and very energetic. Thanks for uh, doing this with us, Karan. Look forward to a very, very exciting and somewhat in-depth conversation.
0: Glad to be here. Just extremely excited to be part of this conversation.
1: Awesome. Karan, maybe just, uh, you know, to give uh, some little introduction about yourself and your journey to where you are
0: today. Sure. So I'm Karan meta. I'm the founder and CTO of Ring. We were erstwhile known as Kish. We've recently rebranded to Ring now. So rebrand. Yes. Uh, we have been in the consumer digital lending market for about six years now. Uh, all these six years we've been doing, you know, consumer lending where an individual customer comes to us. We very, very quickly assess their creditworthiness and give them an instant loan. The whole premise that we started with is consumer loans in India were never digital, were never 100% instantaneous. You were always at a process, paperwork, multiple documentation before you get a loan. We took that entire process, made it 100% online. We made it 100% instantaneous. So at the end of the process... The money is deposited into your bank account. There's no human in our office who's looking at your documents. So to validate problem.
1: that, on my way here in the traffic jam, I installed the application, set up my Aadhaar, got me the DigiLocker, locker, put my PAN in, and all of that, I have access to ten thousand rupees of credit limit in about ninety seconds total. Yes. And, and that, the thirty seconds got added because I was probably not using my phone while driving. Right. But good, extremely interesting uh, user journey and extremely efficient. Right.
0: Now that's I think that's uh, what we had to change. Seeing that the challenge is when you're doing larger ticket size loans, people are okay to wait. Sure. Banks are okay to process you. But there is a very, very large segment of India which wants smaller ticket size loans. They want loans of 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 rupees. They, anyways, won't be qualifying for higher loans. Sure. Now, for such a small loan size, banks are not interested. It's not worth their time. Mm. The unit economics don't work out for them. And these customers also won't go through a lot of hoops to get that small ticket size loan. Sure. So there's a very, very large gap. And this target market is about 200 to 300 million Indians. That is the target market that we are addressing. And we thought that, uh, you know, we have to do it on the back of incredibly robust technology. It cannot be a manual process. It has to be a digital process end to end. No human ever has to interact for the customer to get a loan. That's the only reason Mm -hmm. we've been able to scale. We've scaled to a point where we are processing 35,000 loans a day. Uh, acquiring close to about 1 million customers, uh, sorry, 1 lakh customers a day, uh, with bottom of the funnel being 35,000, which led to a customer acquisition about a million customers every month. Wow. Yeah.
1: Quite an insane scale, right? Correct. So, you know, just to get this uh, perspective right, I heard you uh, talk about it a little earlier in some other conversation about 60% of your customers being new to credit. Correct. Is that still how it is?
0: No, it's actually that uh, the new to credit segment has significantly dropped in India yeah. over the last few years. Lots of credit. I think, yeah, lots of uh, c- companies, credit companies like ours, uh, the BNPL companies, the card companies have also started reaching out to a larger base of customers. So, in a, in a good way, the the NTC profile, the segment of NTC has dropped. Sure. Customers are getting uh, a credit history. They're actually getting savvy about understanding what even a credit history means. Hmm. All of a sudden, you have 19 year old, 20 year old know what a civil score is, what uh, their civil score is, what it means have to improve it, what they shouldn't do so that their civil score doesn't get impacted. Sure. And that's actually very, very, uh, you know, good positive movement in India in general. We, our credit market is quite mature in the sense that very few countries across the globe have a, uh, you know, well set up credit bureau system. Something like even China doesn't have a credit bureau system that works well. India has that and that can become a very, very good factor in making credit available. Any segment of the ecosystem that wants to grow, credit becomes a raw material. So sure. they, you want to pump in credit at every segment that wants to grow. In India, this young audience, the, the 19 to the 30-year-olds uh, are aspirational. They really are keen to grow both uh, you know, in their careers and in their personal lives. Uh, credit generally has a multiplying effect. It yeah. literally adds fuel to the fire when it comes to growth. Uh, that's what we are doing, to, uh, starting out to do and these customers do appreciate it. They understand, they've become savvy enough to understand how credit works. Uh, one of the biggest challenges across the globe has been, it's been very difficult to convince customers that you have to pay for credit. Credit is never free by either visibly or invisibly. When sure. you lose a credit card and you're getting the loyalty point, someone is bearing the cost yeah. in the entire ecosystem. Yeah. In, in the case of credit cards, the merchant is bearing but he's going to transparently pass it back to Correct. the customer at the end of the day. In India, customers do appreciate the fact that for credit, you have to pay. So you have to pay an interest rate. If you're a riskier customer, you'll have to pay a higher interest rate. If you're a less risky customer, you should get a better team. Is that there yet? In it's terms there. of
1: riskiness uh, being put into the price Evidently, bracket? We are actually yeah. the best
0: examples of that. So we are in the market. We compete with companies like SBI and HDFC, where you will get a loan for 11-12%. Mm-hmm. We offer a loan as 18%. Okay. Customers still come to us sure. simply because they will not get a loan from the others. We charge them higher because for us the cost of cost, is higher sure. and the riskiness of that customer is higher. So we have to kind of offset it uh, in our interest rates. Hmm. But that is working. The free market model is working.
1: So just to you know understand the segments of audience you're dealing with, there's a large bunch, which is a 200 million you spoke about, which right. is, uh, you know, Getting into credit and they're getting these 10,000, 20,000 kind of loans. And then there are higher ticket sizes and there's the interest rate play. Correct. So what would be the sweet spot or the the you know hot segment for you when you say that the interest rate of this bracket and loan value of this bracket is the most customers that we're dealing with today?
0: Uh, so we get customers in the 20, 10 to 20k range. Okay. Uh, and they are the ones who are coming in at about an interest rate of 18%. Okay. Uh, and these are the customers that are the sweet spot for us. Sure. These are generally, and I'm just uh, very top-level profiling them. A large chunk of these customers are young users who are either in their first, second or third mm. job. So one of the criteria for us is we only give out to loans to people who have a steady income.
1: Sure.
0: Steady doesn't mean a salary job. It should sure, be self-employed mm. uh, carpenter or, you know. Money in coming account. into the account somehow. We just want to make sure that they have inflow of money into mm. their account every mm. month. Can uh, come in bits and pieces throughout the month is also fine. Now, these customers are the ones who also have those immediate needs. Oh, I want to buy a mobile phone because, sure. you know, I need 10,000 to buy a mobile yeah. phone and I'll pay it back over the next two, three months. Uh, I just need to buy something for my mom because uh, I've always dreamt of buying it for my mom. Uh, someone in my family is not keeping well. So I have an emergency medical experience. a variety of reasons. Hmm. This 10 to 20K has been the sweet, sweet, sweet spot, spot for us. Um, that's also kind of the reason why we've started or rebranded to Ring and started a new way of doing credit. Yeah. Which is the transactional credit piece. So one of the things that we realized in Kist is most of the customers are taking the loan into their bank account. Right. And then going to places and spending using Google Pay, phones and whatnot. Sure. Right. We thought that it's a slightly roundabout yeah. manner. Yeah. More importantly, customer ends up paying interest for part of the hmm. amount that stays in part the bank in the account, account but doesn't end up using it. Yeah. Because the money is thrown out of our account so we have to charge interest. And the other thought we had is because we want to engage with these customers a lot more, in a lot more richer manner Mm. by making it more personalized for them, Mm. the history of where they spend that money will be incredibly rich for us to do that. Uh, So that's why we've actually pivoted to this model, which we call transactional credit. Instead of giving you an outright loan that okay, Mm. money is in a bank account, we will give you an equivalent or probably higher limit. With that limit, you can give them a slightly higher limit. Compared to a personal loan that you'd be able to give them and tell them this limit is available for you and you can use it everywhere, online, offline for your bill purchases. If you want an emergency need, you can withdraw that into your bank account and you withdraw could. from an ATM as well. Sure. So we support all of this within the Ring platform. The beauty of the product now for us is that we get insights onto where the customer Absolutely. Receive. I was going to ask you the simple, uh, very basic level insight, how what percentage of now is getting paid to merchants versus
1: Drawn to bank accounts now.
0: Right. So now I think a good 60% is being used at merchants. 40% is being drawn to sort of the the remaining 40%, I think about 10 or 15% are using it for bill payment. So we have a um, BBPS integration within our app where the customer Mm. can pay their bills. The remaining 25 to 30% is being withdrawn as cash where they put it into the bank account account and 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 whatever. Then you're sort of blind to what they're doing with
1: it. But And, you know, given that this is a 10 to 20k loan, typical repayment cycles would be?
0: Uh, so, it's a monthly cycle. So, they okay. have to, whatever they use in this month, they have to pay it at the end of the month.
1: And is there an option to convert to a smaller
0: chunk in the period? Uh, so, to we are uh, in the process of building it, but mm. we don't have it right now. We are mm. actually building a very, very cool set of features around what you call split by two, split by three has sure. been done by the market. Yeah. Uh, but we are coming up with a set of better options. We are actually letting the customer, you know, keep rolling it for a much longer period mm. of time. We are also giving them this option called snooze, which means that, oh, I can't pay the bill at all this month. month, Let me push it out by another entire month. Hmm. You pay the interest difference for an extra month, but you get an extra month to pay it off. And your civil score doesn't get impacted because we treat it like, you know, just... Uh, it's still standard. It's, it's still a standard loan, yes.
1: So do uh, so you do ask the PAN information for every single one of your... Yeah, so rate.
0: even a customer, so some of our customers, the the ones where we are not able to assess them in a very rich detail, even those customers, we give a credit limit of at least 800 rupees. Okay. So there are a large pool of some customers. Yes, yeah. Some uh, Our idea is to do low and grow. Hmm. Give them a small limit because we don't understand the risk. As they keep paying, keep increasing, the customer starts 800, goes to 10,000, about 4 or 5 cycles itself. Even for the smallest customers, the KYC is 100% complete. So, PAN, at least There's one no form of ID There's no excluding brew. that. You can't. Uh, we are essentially an RBI regulated NBFC. Right. So, all of our loans are done with like the full brunt of KYC as, mm. as required by RBI. So, you're an
1: NBFC yourself, so you're not lending somebody else's money. It's your Correct. own. Correct. Correct. So we do have a model
0: where we do partnerships with other financiers, but for this transactional credit piece, the industry is not mature to do what you can call off-book partnerships. So all the transactional credit is currently on our books itself.
1: Awesome. So as far as uh, this person's credit behavior outside of your ecosystem is concerned, uh, would these be people who are typically engaging with multiple uh, loan givers or would this be largely let's say 80% of their loan needs are being met with you because you have access to the bank information right. in all of that so Correct. It's possible to find out. So uh,
0: from a lending perspective no they don't get uh, so these the customers that we deal with would usually have some lending obligations outside of ours but they're very very typical they're either gold loans where okay. they've kind of taken their family gold and you know given it to gold loan mm. and gotten cash out of it because that is one of the loans that they usually easily qualify for Okay. Uh, the other ones if at all are usually two wheeler loans mm. but outside of this they generally don't have a lot of lending exposure outside of ours if they do that's usually happened either before or they end up moving to after about six or seven cycles the customer builds a region of credit history with us that they do organically move to other lenders that offer them a better price and a higher limit. And you're also enriching their stable
1: eventually. So correct. It's helping their credit go yes. elsewhere.
0: And it's actually a very, very natural outcome of the industry. One of the yeah. reasons why uh, we are aware of the limitations of our retention and engagement is that, yes, these customers, when we serve them, nobody else is serving them. Right. But as they become mature in their credit hmm. cycle, they will get serviced by... Uh, you know, larger players who can offer. them Saying
1: that you're bringing somewhat new people into the equation, maturing sure. m- them, building them credit history, and then you know, giving them as a ready meat to Absolutely. a larger uh, player.
0: So our longer-term goal is, if we become a large enough organization, our cost of funds will mm. drop down to the same level as everyone else. That's a larger larger term play for us and that larger term being defined as the next three or four years. Inside. Yeah, I can imagine. And that's essentially what we are working towards. And you're
1: saying that because uh, in effect, you're not able to bring the cost down below a certain levels. So you can't service the guy once he has other options. That's Absolutely. in effect what yes. you're saying. Right. I also noticed you mentioned about a lot of merchants becoming your uh, entry points with respect Correct. to how customers discover this. Right. And basically, like Chroma sell a lot of stuff on EMI. So now there are more merchants who can sell... Uh, stuff on Kisht or now with pay with ring. Right, is that a large part of your customer acquisition play now?
0: Very large part. So one of the one of the I think tentpole uh, ideas with ring. One being transaction credit, the other being how to acquire these customers, right. go to market. Uh, so not precisely chroma, but our idea was to go to the kirana Walas sure. and and the sabzi wala's and the you know your milk vendors and your mm. pharmacy stores. A large number of these uh, shop owners are generally extending credit to their customers in Correct. a very, very, you know, uh, very, very the khata informal way. kind of story, way, uh, yeah, the khata book kind of a way, right? In an informal way, that at the end of the month I'll send you the bill and you pay me. Uh, now, what we realized is, one, with credit, the most effective way to sell credit is at the point of the transaction. Correct. If you do digital marketing, let the customer know that there's a loan available for you, but when the customer is in the middle it's of a simple to intent buy a versus yes, desire, exactly. Player, right? Uh, that was one. And secondly, you know, uh, we wanted to ensure that uh, the guy who's selling our product to the customer mm. also has a equal right? incentive uh, reason to do that. Yeah. Now, these merchants, they have two big incentives. One is, of course, their credit is offloaded. You know, their their cash flow becomes much easier mm. if they're not giving out on credit. Mm. If they get paid by the customer instantly, which when the customer uses the ring, they get paid at the end of the day. So they get paid sure. on the same day their cash flow cycle becomes much easier to manage because they have to pay their vendors and their distributors and whatnot. And secondly, we give them an uh, you know incentive for every customer they acquire for us. Okay. So all of a sudden, these merchants have become very, very vocal salesperson spars. But uh, you're
1: talking about the milkman, the veggie guy and the, uh, this guy. So the ticket size that these guys do business on, is this a per transaction kind of...
0: No, so they payment? earn for every customer. They bring That's new one. to our platform. And on a per transaction basis, they actually don't make anything. Although we have incentive schemes that if you... If 10 ring transactions happen at your shop, we'll pay you uh, 50 rupees, 40 rupees, 35 rupees. So it's kind of
1: like how the Google Pay and whatever kind of uh, QR codes, there's also a pay with ring system here. And people who are coming in, they can do this and they will be probably educated by the shop owner to say that you can actually install this app, get credit and do this over there. But that's my question. Uh, You mentioned earlier about twenty to 30,000 rupees being the typical ticket sizes. But with this route, when you're acquiring customers, it's a very different uh, kind of audience in some sense.
0: Yes. So what we're actually doing is we're acquiring customers from there. They will start at a limit of 800, 600, 3000, 4000. But these same customers within two or three cycles upgrade to 10 or 20,000. Our idea is that acquire customers from there immediately have, you know, one, there is a problem that you might acquire customers, but don't get them to do the first transaction. Mm -hmm. He's Mm -hmm. as good as a dead customer, but you Essentially, burned the entire CAC to get that customer. Sure. At a shop, you are getting a customer who you acquired. Plus, also according to do the first transaction, so he's already had his Aha moment. Yeah. This product. Sure. Works as promised. Now, when the customer goes back home, he kind of explores. He realizes, okay, I can use it here as well as there. But
1: this would need a certain level of field sales in
0: front. That's yes, also a that's, cost structure, right? After yes. the point. Yes, and I'll come to the CAC bit yeah. for us. This is where we actually kind of make a, made our breakthrough. Right. So the CAC of this entire process huh. is eighty rupees per transacting customer, which is. Wow, Phenomenal we right. Anything else? In just as a reference point, in case over the last two years our lowest CAC has been 400 rupees. Correct. I remember the just digital the marketing, marketing market. space. Yeah, uh, and this has been a so the only mm-hmm. reason we've been able to acquire about say 35,000 customers every day, bottom of the funnel. Right. 1 lakh of the funnel hmm. is simply because our CAC is so low. And, and this is,
1: uh, in what part of your new customer acquisition is now offline retail stores?
0: Uh, 60% are coming from here, 40% are coming from online. But wow. the 40% that are coming online are not on the back of performance marketing. Sure. They're coming on the back of a network effect created by this Brand right? visibility
1: also display and whatever word of mouth. And you can't possibly uh, attribute it 100% to yes. that anyway. And
0: we've hardly done performance marketing for rain. Uh, which means that a large part of the 40% is coming just from a network effect, uh, which okay. has worked out incredibly well for us. One of the reasons why we are so buoyed or we are so excited about this product and the platform and the growth part it has been on is because this model has worked like a charm. We've done our projections, we did a pilot from September of last year until February of this year, and we were excited by the pilots. When we went to the market, we were even further blown away. The way this yeah, so I find this
1: very very uh, interesting as well. But at the same time, uh, two caveats. One is from a penetration perspective. uh, I'm assuming you have a certain universe that you've mapped out, and you're trying to cover that in terms of now X percent is now taking a payment with Ring. What does that look like
0: right now? Uh, So we are uh, going geographically right now. We are in about uh, 16 or 18 of the top cities that we plan to be. The way we've actually done it is, we always had a field force for collections. Correct. We've actually taken we a field, field force, force for collections, for, collections from the consumers. From co- consumers, okay. the one uh, in, sure. in a very uh, colloquial term wasuli buys, but yeah. these are sure. a lot more polished than. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, we are these are all uh, you know RBI uh, standards compliant mm. collections people. Uh, now those same people we said that you know uh, you guys will have to moonlight. Uh, you guys yeah. will have to moonlight as collection people and as sales people. No wonder the CAC becomes
1: low because this is the yes, staff there staff. which is there. And that's
0: that's starting point for us and it's actually worked out still, uh, we've been doing it for 9 months, we haven't hmm. overstretched it. Our collections haven't dropped enough Not to yet justify it for us to... Uh, the economics are still are looking good. Yes. You know,
1: which is what then? Uh, begs the next question, why isn't somebody going to copy this? Matter uh, of time, right?
0: Believe you me, uh, when we started this, the biggest question we've had and after the results started coming in that this model is working, we are kind of scratching our heads that, guys, we couldn't have been uh, so prescient, right? Someone has to have been doing this at scale. But what we realized very, very quickly, at some level, Google Pay, Phone Pay, Paytm do exactly that, right? They have a large sales team that does this. Did all that QR code chip, The only difference is in payments, you don't make money. Uh, Correct. In, in credit Which is we, thanks to
1: UPI, one fine day, people stop making money credit. on your payments,
0: right? Uh, in credit, we make money on every transaction. And the reason we are able to incentivize the merchant the reason we are able to fund our sales team is because we actually make money on the back of these customers. We don't make money for the first three months. The ticket sizes are too small in the first three months. Um, uh, you know, The amount of sure. the revenue uh, we make is very little. But as soon as the credit limit goes, keeps increasing, we make more money. More importantly, the beauty of this model is within the first two or three cycles, all the bad apples get filtered out when the ticket sizes are very really yeah, small. Yeah. So by the time we get to a ticket size of 20,000 where we are going to really make money also on, on mm-hmm. a monthly basis from mm-hmm. these customers, all the customers are actually by definition good because they've paid three cents. They've gone through that of cycle of yourself. Uh, and and that this is your
1: exclusive fast. data because they've been transacting with you over there. Joy. Correct. But, uh, you know, so that's why the question of who's your direct competitor exactly doing what you're trying to do? Because people have, let's say, flavors and variations. Right. But how aggressively competitive is this? exactly so in yeah.
0: in in a direct competitive fashion very few of them nobody is doing it in the holistic manner that we are doing so it the
1: offline acquisition and then the graduation towards
0: mainstream is your Connection. unique play and uh, while we are acquiring offline uh, we have a partnership with SBM yes bank and RBL to offer cards to these customers okay that we had issued cards way back in june july august went on a pause because of RBI guidelines. But we are restarting issuing cards this This is credit cards you're going to be issuing. These are going to be co credit cards. This is what also
1: amuses me. Credit cards have always charged 36% interest while you're doing a 18 now. Yes. And 18 uh, has a, let's say, zero interest period or is it straight away interest? No, no, straight away interest. So you're going to pay. The
0: difference between and credit cards is credit cards don't charge you for the 45 days. Correct. of the period, but beyond that, they charge you 36%. Right. Uh, 36% has now become a good number. There are now card companies that charge all the way to 48%. I agree. Which yeah. is, I, I just don't get it. It's so weird. <coughs> That's the, when I told you that someone in the industry, somehow someone has to make money. Correct. Customers will pay for it. Transparently in or some fashion uh, the, with the lack of transparency. That is one way for them yeah. to make money. Uh, so coming back to the point, uh, you know, that uh, ultimately what we are trying to do is because we can make money, we are we have a visibility that we can scale this to pan-India without ever breaking a sweat. For us, now it's Mm -hmm. just a model of saying that, oh, get X number of sales guys hired in this, this, uh, So it's more for
1: execution topic and strategies kind of sorted at least for some time to come.
0: is sorted, economics are sorted, Mm -hmm. and our kind of playbook is also sorted. We know which are the kind of merchants we want to go Mm -hmm. after, which are the merchants who end up being sticky, what are the points that the merchants really like about our product, Uh, and at some level. So one of the points I wanted to mention is, the QR code we issued to these merchants doesn't work only as a ring QR code. It's right. a standard vanilla a media QR, QR code. code. Yeah. So the merchant can will accept money from Google Pay, Phone Pay. Right. That money hits his bank account just the way that mm-hmm. Google Pay, phone Pay does. In addition to that, he gets a ring, uh, you know, platform where a customer with a credit limit can come and pay him as well. The right. so merchant is thinking, oh, I, you know, for me, it's a consolidation of hmm. two different I products. I don't need five whatever. I can just do with this QR. Let's assume that I was accepting 100 Google Pay payments earlier. I continue to do that just as seamlessly. And the off chance that I get five additional uh, ring customers, I will get that as well. Does it also ring that PTM wala bell? You just got to no, hundred No, we are, we are uh, in the process of launching a sound box ourselves. So your yes. oh, okay. PTM has done a very, very good job with that innovation. It's but I just wonder, they'll have to either buy you out at
1: some point if they have the balance sheet for it, because right. you will become massively valued uh, yourselves. Because otherwise, how do
0: they monetize? They have the distribution. but I think everyone, uh, and that's been the running joke in the industry, right? Anyone who can't figure out how to make money from their primary business is going to get to lending. and that's Which one is of the everyone reasons, does, right? Yes. All the BTV b are ultimately lending businesses yeah, as well. Yeah, and that's what we realized that, you know, it's, it's a much better space to be in the credit space and to go after payments, rather than to be in the payment space and go after credit. You know, because so this- credit is a very, very DNA thing, you know. You can't do lending, you can't just wake up one day and say that, oh, I'm going to launch a credit. I love that tomorrow. DNA
1: well approach. And it, that uh, brings me, I understood you've done swipe before for a small period. Correct. Uh, what was that about and what we were you learning from there?
0: Swipe was essentially a mobile point swipe. of sale solution. Easy tap or Swipe in Same India stuff. or Square huh. in the US. And kind of the reason I moved back to India from the US is Square had just taken off in a big right. way. And uh, it was a truly, truly problem solving product. Uh, me and another co-founder moved back to India to start uh, Square, uh, a me too product of Square in Shohan. India. Sure. Uh, and we very quickly realized that, uh, so we built the hardware, we built the software, we built a fantastic team of mm. engineers and product and, and the banking relationship people as well. We got partnership at that time with RBI Bank and Citibank, we were just about to launch the product. But at that time, uh, we quickly scoped the market, we realized that, you know, maybe India is not going to do so well with plastic cards in general. Mm. Distribution is difficult, uh, you know, even if you get the cards to the customers, getting the point, point of sale machines out is going to be painful which is precisely the problem we are trying to solve. Hmm. But when we try to speak to the people, we realize that, you know, it's not that the point of sale hardware is a problem. The the concept is difficult for them to understand. Uh, Right. Expectation that they should have an internet Hmm. connection and electricity. This is still 2013 we're talking about. This is 2013 we're talking about. It just was impossible. So we very presciently, uh, me and my founder said, oh, you know what? Uh, We were literally, the next day was the launch. Then you decided to pull the plug. We said that oh, and uh, the, uh, the problem with a pro- product like that is a long term commitment. Of course. It's not a software product that you can say, oh, you know what, you're shutting shop, you're going away. If you have sold physical hardware to a bunch of merchants who paid you money, you can't just shut shop overnight and also, you know, Correct. Uh, walk away. So we knew that if you went down that path, it's going to be a long drawn out path. Uh, There's not going to be an easy exit, but we pulled the plug. <laughs> Uh without, uh, you know, uh, sounding too uh, excited about that, when we looked at how that market paid out, we, it was an incredibly good choice smart made move. Right? Yeah. Uh, UPI came, I think uh, UPI got announced in a big way about a year later. And, you know, that was the harm. Moment. We had predicted that India is going to skip the plastics, it's going to go from cash directly to a 100% digital ecosystem. Really? You thought
1: that in 2013? We
0: thought that. We didn't know what shape and form. Sure. We could not, nobody could have predicted kind of the... Uh, you know, hurricane or avalanche that UPI was going to be. Yeah, Uh, and the demo
1: moment, of course, kind of made a big spike, right? Funnily, exactly in 2013, I was part of Rocket Internet. Okay. And Rocket wanted to launch Square in India. Okay. So I was the guy doing that research oh, on figuring out the whole model on how to play this out. Okay. And this was interesting. Also the time was about 12 months later, RBI was slated to move from swipe and sign to chip and pin. Correct. Which means if you were to invest today in a whole lot of swipe infrastructure, it is going to become redundant in another 9 months or 10 months with the chip infrastructure. So you'll have to do another job. Right. And at that point, I spoken to all these Musambi and the EZTAP fellows right. and right. Uh, all of their devices readiness was all swipe. Right. So, Rocket being Rocket, they could have acquired one of these guys and played this out, but right. at least, again, uh, probably not as thorough a job on the research, but at a very I figured that, dude, this market in India right now, next 12 months, not a good idea to end up. So, right. park it. So, two months spent on Pay 11 or maybe a quarter and met Citibank. The same bunch of people. They were also very excited because they found a new avenue to grow, right? Right. Uh, and we paused it. In off late, I also saw some of these e-commerce delivery fellows carry a card device from an Mswipe mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. But then I also saw a quarter later the same guys are now coming with the QR code on their phones. They've all Absolutely. figured it out, right? Yeah. It's a blue dot QR code or it's a Korea Kami QR code. Right. But the device is gone. It's so your uh, foresight in whatever fashion it was seems right. to have perfectly, perfectly panned out right. Awesome. So, well, I think you're in the digital business, you're in the lending business. i what's your size of the data science team?
0: Uh, the it's an analytics right? team is about thirty people strong. Yeah. So we actually have uh, two parts of the analytics team. One is what we call business slash risk analytics. Sure. Which so is that'll be the risk model scoring yeah. squads. And all of the business, uh, you know, the business models on how delinquency is playing out, how yeah. do we acquire, and all of that. That is uh, headed by this uh, incredibly sharp uh, colleague of mine called Neha. Sure. Uh, she comes with X She's uh, ex TransUnion, uh, ex Lendo. Lendo was uh, this credit decision company on based on social mm-hmm. media graphs, uh, and she's built a fantastic team. Uh, so
1: lending decisions on social media graphs. I remember there was this company in uh, Kenya which was doing a lot of very interesting work purely on mobile data. Right. And uh, in terms of your own data set processes that you mentioned, you do read a lot of information from the phones right. uh, of the people because it's, it's quite rich. Right. So while somebody might worry about privacy laws, but I understood that you have extremely serious privacy setups here. Yes. But at the same time, the amount of richness of information that's here is very valuable. Mm-hmm. So is it something now, You know, a very layman's guess would be, can you pretty much guess uh, who's going to uh, not pay up next month?
0: Statistically, right? yes. So statistically, just to give you a sense, uh, uh, what we do is... Um, our credit model throws out, spits out a number for every customer. Right. We've taken all of our, or every customer, we've bracketed into 20 buckets. Um, okay. We call them bucket 1 to 20. You've named them something? No, no, new no. These are that, just whatever. Just one buckets. 1 to 20. And 1 being the best set of customers, 20 being the worst set of Achha, customers. Worst from a
1: credit score perspective.
0: Uh, yes. Yeah. So, uh, what our model outputs is. Sorry.
1: Uh, yes. What's the split like? I mean, is this, I'm assuming it's not a percentile or whatever, 95, 90, no, 90 so whatever. No, it's, no. A, so it's, it's, a it's a it's a bunch of buckets. So
0: these are 20 buckets, each having 5% of the population. Oh, so it's population-wise split. Exactly okay. Split. I was
1: beginning to wonder will there'll be like a lot of guys somewhere. No, no, no. Well, no. So, so this is percentage that's, so that's our fine. model
0: is a machine learning model, yeah. which is essentially doing the curve fitting on close to about 150 features. Uh-huh. 150 features taken to import the Sybil the digital footprint, the behavioral, the demographic, all of it into account. Sure. And it spits out of the number. The model number is a very, very simple number. It's called probability to default. Correct. The higher the number, the higher likelihood. Yeah, the this will also default.
1: be, uh, let's say, changing with time, right? Because yeah, my probability to default time. suddenly changed three days or maybe.
0: It changes on many, many levels. It changes yeah. when the macro changes. So as soon as uh, COVID hit, we had to in our model. Because right. all of a sudden, of the same customer with yeah. the same behavior. will change will probably be likely to default all of a sudden, right? uh, but we keep trading the model every two or three months, irrespective. Uh, now that just spits out a simple number, but just for ease of communication within the company, right. we, take, we can't talk about that number because it's a very, Obviously. very uh, clunky number to discuss. So we distribute the customers by 5% population to 20 buckets. Every month, the business team says that, oh, keep the 10 buckets open, 11 buckets open. Right. But when we keep 11 buckets open, there is a precise number that on this pool, you will mm. see a delinquency, eventual delinquency rate of 1.8%, 1.7%. Yeah. Yeah. It is generally accurate to the first decimal point point. Uh, cool. and generally accurate to the second decimal point. And is this is like the
1: core of your IP is, created, yes, right? The trained is, model which has gone through right. all of this and there's, what, four years history of delinquency is already in the system yes. now so at whatever we, scale and level.
0: Uh, at last count, we were processing our our model was being trained on about 14 million loans. So Fourteen million, million loans, and this is about Which four is years. Which is big ago enough ago. for your purpose? Oh, uh, significantly big enough. Yeah. Cut off for to train this model is as it as hundred and fifty k loans. Hundred and fifty k loans will get you to a very very accurate curve already.
1: Well, 150k loans for the kind of uh, size you're talking about to even write that off is right. kind of okay to kind of invest in this whole setup right absolutely which then makes me wonder that why are more people not as savvy with their models yet is it a question of uh, choices
0: dna somewhere it's actually uh, you know uh, a it's a dna and a mindset you need to have a buy-in at the top one of the things you know i think we've gotten right with kish is we have invested in technology we've invested in product we've invested in analytics without bounds. We mm. never had this, that, oh, you know, we need... Yeah, the really people choices better.
1: also seem to be very clear, right? You right. come from a finance technology background yourself right. and you mentioned about Neha as well. So right, very clearly a conceptual clarity that this is how we want to play this absolutely. out. Absolutely, absolutely.
0: Mm. And the other thing is, when you take a step back, uh, again, one of those things that plays out in the favor of a credit or lending company, when you look at our total costs on what we spend on, the amount of money that we spend on our payment gateway integrations for just the exchange NDR, is such a huge number that when you look at employee costs in the company they're actually quite trivial given the okay. massive size of loans you're doing sure uh almost nobody in the company questions that why is your headcount so high because yeah mm. we, we are chasing multiple different problems uh so instead of sequentializing them and doing them over a period of it's one year we're like okay we'll have a large team we'll do yeah, it over six yeah. months because we never run out of things to do anyways there's always there's always a backlog which is multiple years worth of backlog we want to get to them as fast as possible. And by you know, by getting smarter people in the room, uh, by having a smarter set of people you can talk to, I think you do create a stellar output. Of course, always. Creating a model at at one level in retrospect is incredibly easy. At the same time, we didn't create a good model for the first two years until we hired Nia. Which
1: is what amuses me because on one end, you make it sound so simple. At the right. same time, this doesn't seem like simple at all, right? It yes. seems as close to rocket science as a data guy can imagine.
0: Absolutely. It's uh, one of those things where I think in retrospect, it looks simple. It seems like, oh, of course. (laughs) That's a hindsight bias, of course. Now you can say that. Correct. No, now uh, we know exactly what are the things to be done. But it's the discovery process. You know, when you're sitting on the other side, you're thinking, oh, there's a big mountain for me to climb. I don't have the tools, I don't have the capability, I don't have the right guides to guide me up that mountain. Hmm. But once you've done that, you realize, okay, yeah, do X, Y, Z and you're there. You know, so it reminds me
1: of a bit of a joke and I would lighten this moment a little bit. I mean Columbus returned back after his trip and you know uh, the the king or whoever threw a luncheon or a dinner in his right. reception and said that okay this is great and whatever. So there was this murmur around the table that you know what's such a big deal. We could have done it too this that whatever. Right. And it's a joke so I don't know the veracity okay. of this whole thing. But now Columbus what he does is he picks up an egg. It's an okay. egg. It's a normal egg okay. with a shell. And he says somebody can you make it stand. Okay. Right? Just make the egg stand. Hmm. And if 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 you've had an egg or held an egg, you can't make it stand. It'll just topple.
0: Right.
1: So it went around the whole table. Everybody tried. Nobody could actually do it. So now like whatever. And it came back to him and he said, he just did a tap When you do a little tap it'll basically have a little crack, right? And it'll uh, cave in and then it'll stand. Right. Oh, this was so easy. We could have done it too. Yes, you could have done it. But now you know, right? So the whole point of looking at stuff in retrospect, becoming super easy, is a lot of things I could say in retrospect, but it wasn't known when you were trying it out. And which is why, you know, the choices that you made as a long term business player, you've been very mindful in choices of your CAC, the the kind of team and investments you're building uh, towards data science practices and the model you spoke about doesn't seem to be easy at all.
0: Right, it's not.
1: And it's a something that, uh, as co-founders, when you got together to decide about this business, is all clear to you that this is how we want to play this out.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, see, data science, not very specifically, what we were very, very clear about is we wanted to build a 100% digital, automated, seamless play. Uh, we did not, and, and in all uh, uh, candor, we had manual underwriters for the sure. first two years of our existence. Achha. We had people who would look at a document and say, okay, this document is good, mm. bad, this customer can be approved because we built the digital workflow but uh, it's basically it the automated the, and this is
1: what probably neha came in and changed
0: this is what neha came in and changed mm. uh, and we knew that was a problem we knew that we ad- for much larger scale hmm. the model uh, that we were working was not a scalable model at sure. all so we knew that that's a problem we had to solve and that's and we the good part is we knew that okay the way to do it is to do it through data science analytics mm. and machine Fair. learning we just didn't know how to do it, and that's uh, at least what we had in mind. We brought Ti in; she kind of uh, turned everything around for us. Awesome. She's built a fantastic team, analytics team are some of the smartest uh, set of people in right. in in, um, in the office, anyways. Uh, and uh, sure. she's done a fantastic job of even getting them on board. It's it's not an easy industry to attract talent. Oh, absolutely. I think the richness of the data that we have here, uh, the the uh, you know the Uh, fantastic leadership that Neha brings has allowed Mm. us to
1: build that team. Mm. Uh, Stepping back a little moment and you know talking about retention as a subject where uh, you know the underlying data stack if it's not robust if it's not well made uh, you cannot do a lot more on top of it and since this has been a priority for you I would love to dig a little deeper into your early days of journey where uh, you started with capturing a certain amount of data, whatever that data sources were, how does it come together in an actionable fashion because the moment somebody is doing a KYC, you anyway have their content details and you're, uh, I don't know if the email is a big channel or not, but SMS and WhatsApp, you have available, phone right. numbers are there. So what was your original thought process on how do you uh, lay out the data stack in the early days?
0: So uh, for us, uh, and let me break it down into two parts. One is pre-automated writing and after that. Sure. Once we went to automated underwriting, we mm. actually changed almost everything about the okay. product itself. In the pre-automated underwriting stack, the best channel to communicate with the customer was unfortunately picking up a call and calling the customer. Okay. Uh, and that was just an uh, outcome of, at that time, A, uh, you know, WhatsApp was also this was hit, this 2016. Was 2015, 2016, 2017. This is 2016-17 yeah, okay. uh, WhatsApp was also a slight bit of a hit or miss for mm. a large segment of our mm. customers. Uh, we were also at that time not necessarily app only, uh, so we mm-hmm. had a lot of integrations with carrot lanes and the uh, flip cards of the world where customer did not necessarily have our app. So push notifications were sure. out of action. Sure. So you also le- left the customer didn't have a home screen of your app mm-hmm. that you can communicate to. So the only ma- channels of communication for us was SMS, email and phone calls for mm-hmm. a large pool of our customers email was out. Yeah, exactly. They didn't read email. They probably didn't even have email, have addresses, email addresses or they had email addresses which they the used but months. they never opened. Correct. They probably didn't even have the password to open mm. it uh, in, in many of those cases uh, and sms's do end up uh, having a lesser interaction rate. interaction rate huh. uh, so we always and the calls that we used to make to the customer at that point of time is uh, sir, so we looked at your documents your photo is not clear you need to go and upload the photo again uh, and we want the process to get closed as fast as possible these guys are attacked where they had to close the case mm. in so they would find it easiest to pick up the customer and call them and tell sure. them xyz it's also easier to communicate right yeah, it's also expensive to scale. Super expensive, which is the reason why we knew when we saw that that's process, we knew that, okay, there are 10 underwriters right now, uh, the scale at which you want to go to, we, these 10 will have to become 10,000 and like, okay, there is no, no way, way in hell. Yeah. Uh, are we going to run a company that has 10,000 underwriters working in some, uh, uh, you know, back office uh, doing this process? But well, that's what a of, typical large bank would have, right? Uh, Large banks actually do much lesser loans of much higher value. That is why they love home loans, they love car loans because they can essentially and that's where the unit economics come in.
1: Uh So the the cost of doing this is
0: more because of the underwriting uh, element. Sure. Uh, so that's, and which is where we've kind of carved out mm-hmm. our niche, right? The business that we are doing, banks will not be able to do that business. Or at least not, they've not, unless do it for the, they invest super heavily, which is a DNA problem. Correct. Which is a DNA problem. It, precisely. Uh, so that's, that's where we started. When we went to the automated, everything changed. By the way, that is precisely the time that we engaged with WebEngage as well. Awesome. And I still remember, uh, you know, the, the the time we had discussions with your team. And uh, there was a person called Krishnan that I interacted very closely with. Mm-hmm. That's. Uh, because we were grappling with this problem that, oh, and that is the mm-hmm. time roughly where we said all of our customers will now take a loan only through our app and right. all our channels, no mm-hmm. online, this thing. So
1: you've killed your uh,
0: online discovery. we killed Allah. our online discovery. We've kind of made it almost mandatory that any customer who takes a loan from us needs mm-hmm. to get our app. No? Yeah. no, and I think in lending, the interesting thing is everyone is targeting a separate niche. Mm-hmm. There are many, many niches. You'd be surprised.
1: Amazing, they were talking about somebody taking a loan for a 800 rupee kurti, somebody taking a loan for a piece of cosmetic, and stuff like that. I was very amazed at uh, the kind of penetration this kind of stuff can reach. But anyhow, that's a full fledged discussion Discussing in itself. Just a
0: small tidbit. When we you yeah. were starting KIST, when you we were doing the landscape, in, in large parts of India, there are lending companies that focus only on lending for truck tires. There okay. are companies, and these are your small lending hmm. companies. Their only business model is when you want to buy a truck tire, they will finance because truck tires are 20-30,000 a piece, mm. these truck drivers don't have the money to work out, it, mm. it's about one, two and a half lakh when you want to change the whole set, mm. so companies exist for that, there are companies that do only lending for your implants. Uh, and this, this is, is like
1: all... You know, worlds of opportunity for you guys, right? Exactly.
0: You know, the whole idea is that lending is so diverse, it can be so niche driven huh. that you would be surprised. So there is a niche for everybody. But is this guy's uh,
1: following those whole whatever uh civil secure whatever processes No, I are. Think these they, are informal they are, money lenders? They they're all
0: slightly informal money lenders. Huh. They have their own standard practices, they they have their own trust models hmm. that know this guy I can trust because he's known to X or known to, I, saturated, know to right? After a point from scale, so he's massively yeah. fragmented in that sense. Massively fragmented. I think they're uh, their book size is very small. Mm. They're very happy to make, uh, you know, uh, whatever revenue they make on that mm. book size. Mm. Uh, and I think it's it's a bit it's a like mom and
1: pop of lending. I would right. probably classify that. Yes. The other bands probably I would have uh, interacted some bit was in
0: 2008,
1: 2009 when I was in B school. The microfinance the subject was massive. Right. So you'd give a 5,000 rupee loan and then you'd go every week to collect probably 55 rupees back or something right. and people would actually have to come give attendance. Right. Is that a nightmare from an execution perspective. Right. Because the more you scale, the more people you'll need and the more you'll waste people's Absolutely. time to come back and Absolutely. that all is obviously gone. Right. But is that even a meaningful space anymore?
0: Uh, so microfinance is, uh, you know, the MFI institutes have now all morphed into essentially slightly traditional lenders, Right. Uh, the MFI, the problem that you described is, is a problem very close to my heart, it's been one of the case studies for India, right? right. India, India pioneered the hmm. concept, hmm. the whole challenge was pumping credit into rural spaces, specifically in MFI, when you think of MFI, you think of women, because that was only Correct. targeted at women. Hmm. Uh, Some of the concepts of MFI were incredible, right? The whole thesis rested on the fact that because there's a social circle, everyone will have a social pressure to to pay. pay. Yeah. They also knew that women are much better at managing credit than men. They only uh, put
1: money in the woman's account, not in the man's account. Uh,
0: It's a very, very good starting point. I think it has matured. I think India, one of the things that has happened in India is now the blur between rural and urban is not that large. Hmm. These rural people have smartphones, they have 4G, they have internet, uh, they have access to all the information. Yep, YouTube they is amazing. They have access to
1: uh, Amazon, Flipkart, Nisho, the and supplies, the uh, to them. Do you know those uh, heavy-duty construction equipment, JCB right. equivalents. Yeah, yeah. Uh, imagine influencer marketing working as a very valuable channel for them because there's ah. a bunch of guys who actually demonstrate these equipments and their merits and demerits on YouTube and Instagram okay. and there's people who follow that and actually make decisions from there. Oh, I would have never imagined this. So yeah,
0: rural penetration of uh, influencer is amazing. I've farming. Uh, yeah. Influencer marketing with farming, there is, and, uh, so I am part-time, became a part-time farmer and COVID. You did? Uh, Where did So I, uh, I've been growing papayas and bananas mm. and uh, so I have a Ancestral yeah. farm in Umargaon, which is about okay. 130 kilometers away from Mumbai towards Gujarat. Yeah. So it's accessible in there. It's, accessible. it's about three three hours away from my house. Very cool. Uh, but one of the cool things I realized is the, the amount of high quality YouTube video channels that exist exactly for everything on how to set up a drip, how to uh, what is the fertilizer you have to use, how often you have to fertilize, how to identify which Insect is affecting your crop depending on the leaves. Right. I was amazed. I'm like, okay, because it was such a high quality content mm. produced and they had good sponsors. You could see paid yeah, promotions, I'm right? Sure. I realized that, oh boy, this is good because it's a win-win. It works for everyone. Uh, didn't have access to such a high quality Correct. material. This influencer is making money, but all credit to him. He's doing, he's he's making sure literally. the whole bunch of stuff is getting penetration, right? I mean, and the other thing is, I did a lot of research on my own. The guy was actually giving very credible information. Good it was stuff. not like a charlatan or yeah. everything. Just everything was on point. I followed a lot of his instructions and I did well. Uh, so just it, it, India is, uh, is in a different <laughs> crazy so this place. This guy right Chopra
1: said, ready. learned his javelin practice by watching Olympians on YouTube. So of course, a lot of marketing uh, for YouTube for Correct. free for that. Correct. But coming back, so rural markets do have a stronger education and microfinance businesses have now mobbed into traditional lenders. And in your case, you talked about a topic close to your heart. So is this an opportunity slash area of conscious conscious focus from your perspective?
0: Uh, not directly. It's, it's you know, been a learning. Uh, when Whenever I've spoken about uh, what is it that you can bring additional with lending, you know, the social element is one part so that I, you always do bring. No, I'm Being very, very, again, candid for me, it's essentially the business has to make money. It course. has to pay uh, salaries. It has to make value for our investors. Uh, no doubt that is the primary duty of ours. If along at the same time, you could, uh, you know, have some social impact, Um, social impact by while not being a uh, not-for-profit
1: not not But very fundamentally, you know, when I looked at that space reasonably closely, these are uh, women who need working capital to probably either, uh, let's say, buy raw material and translate it into a finished product and sell it at a 50% kind of gross margin. They right. rotate this on an everyday basis. right? Which means their appetite to absorb cost of credit is quite substantial. It's just that they don't have access to any credit. Absolutely. So if it's a fisherman who needs a new net, he's going to make that money back in like three days. Yeah, but, absolutely. You know, he needs that money to buy that net to start with. There was this... Uh, all of these uh, I would say textile kind of place where people need to buy threads and cloth and raw materials and whatever and for want of that piece of credit they will end up not being able to take that job Right. and if you're able to make this accessible this is women self-employed 10-20 uh, thousand ticket sizes as well again same. correct and it's massive because it can unlock an insane amount of opportunities for these guys. Absolutely. So from a structural perspective right now in your systems, this is not an audience you've gotten to or do you see some signs no, now? No, so
0: we uh, almost, so we do the way we've been distributing our loans or not by design, by, uh, by just uh, the way it's played out. It's 40% is urban, which is tier 1 and tier 1 cities for us tier 1 are the top 20 or 30 cities. The next 40 percent of our loans go to tier two and tier three cities the last 20 percent go to rural hmm. rural when we looked at the profile they very strongly overlap with this profile they are people who are borrowing from us to get either raw material or to fix an equipment that they are going to use for their trade this is essentially be acquired
1: digitally or this been acquired offline. 100
0: percent we never right. we we never go offline except for this concept of acquiring merchants correct but we never go offline for customer acquisition directly Ha, they are still to The, the offline app. merchants are ultimately going to acquire customers. Uh, so, this is on the Kist platform, which is the personal loan right. platform. Uh, uh, in Ring, we are so far only on the top 16 cities mm-hmm. yet. You're still maintaining these two as distant uh, So, yes, uh, we pieces. had to unfortunately, Kist, not unfortunately, but I would say fortunately. Hmm. Uh, Kist has a massive brand recall for all of sure. our sure. customers. We and it's a great to name to have, right? Like Kist overnight. is like the default word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we didn't want to overnight tell them that, oh, Kist has become Ring. You guys are on a new platform. Hmm. And there's a different form of Credit now available although what we were offering as case is a subset of ring right but the primary focus of ring is transactional credit with the option of withdrawing hmm. hmm. so what we've done is we've kept at least the consumers kept both the platforms up and running right now over a period of time with the right kind of uh, you know messaging the right hmm. kind of communication the right kind of education we're going to be transitioning all the customers into ring itself Fair enough. at the same time telling them that whatever product you are using in Kist is equivalently available in ring But there are three other additional products available.
1: Sure. uh, This is a journey as well, because if you don't do it carefully, it can be quite a... Absolutely. Okay, so well, back to our uh, thought around the data stack that you're putting together when this shift happened, when you looked at age as well and started to build this underlying data setup of uh, user profiling and event attributes. So a lot of things that come in the way. So we'd love to understand a little more about what was the thought process that went into building the original data stack.
0: Right. Uh, In the me, new version of got it. Got it. Let me take a step back and tell yeah. you what the pieces of our data stack are, right? And there, there's very, very rich data. One is the hardcore demographic data that we get from KYC. Very, very standard format. For us, it also comes from a very trusted source. So there is so it's no, as authentic as it can it's get. as authentic as it can mm-hmm. get. There are no gaps. There are no, uh, you know, 100%. things that we have to bridge or assume or guess. Uh, the second set of data is all of the credit related data that we get from the bureaus. That mm-hmm. how's the customer's credit score? How many loans he has taken? How long has he been active? Credit card user, not a credit card user, gold loan user, not a gold loan user, so on and so forth, and many, it nice Basically, attributes.
1: make each of these into user attributes. And, attributes, yes. and it's the user profile.
0: Correct. Uh, the third data source for us has been uh, our digital footprint. Is the customer an o- user of Ola? Is the user of o- Uber? Is a Swiggy user? Is a Zomato user? How frequently does he travel? Does he do a lot of train travel? Does he? But do are these of- all?
1: Let's say metamorphosed into some sort of a summary score or is this all no, maintained as raw info? What
0: we are doing is, so this is what we call as we create these as features. These sure. are also what feed into our machine learning model for this thing. But we store them uh, as, as raw data as well. as well because we use them in a lot of ways. It could be a variety other of other ways. Yeah.
1: Well.
0: Uh, and the third data for us is the behavioral data. How hmm. often does he open the app? When was the last time he took a loan? Hmm. How often hmm. does he take hmm. a loan? Hmm. Whether he pays back on time, pays back within the first five years of the due date. Pays back within the first 20 days of the due date. So so a lot also, of derived
1: data as well, lots right? Lots of derived this is data. The, uh, yes. well, uh, the user has a few events, but that translates into a bunch of different Correct. subsequent variables. Correct.
0: And now with Ring, we are getting an additional layer of data, which is where does Emergence he use it? Pos- where does he use it? Uh, what kind of purchase is he making with the credit? Sure. Uh, are there a lot of small ticket transactions or a few high ticket transactions? Or one transaction a month that he's just doing? Is he taking the money into his bank account or using it for UPI or using it for online? all of this is the data we get in addition to all of this of course we get a bunch of data from say an uh, app store where, where did we the form? Where? Hmm. Uh, we get a lot of data from mixed panel we are using mixed panels analytics and how is he navigating the app right uh, whether he's using English or is he using Hindi all of that data comes in all of this flows back to our systems hmm. and we have many systems we have a uh, transactional database which holds the transactional data and the kyc data we have a uh, unstructured database, Mongo, which is holding all the digital footprint. Right. Uh, and our features are going to our feature store, uh, which stores all of these features for machine learning purposes. But from what it sounds like, it's safe to say that this is all reasonably
1: well unified for you. Correct. It's the user entity across all these systems that stays together. You can, if you wanted to, of course, it might have quasi-legal privacy, whatever issues, but technically you have one guy's record with just about everything put together.
0: Absolutely. And so we, we have a, a data warehouse in Snowflake, which where all of this is unified. Sure. We want to make sure that the data is easily accessible. By mm-hmm. the way, just to put the privacy uh, re- lens to it, the raw data flows into Snowflake and the raw data layer is not accessible to anyone in the Correct. organization. The first level of roll-up that we do in Snowflake strips every single PI Identifiable information. Uh, mm. So all of a sudden you have a bunch of very rich data. No but way to map it back. Can't do customer. anything with it. And of course, uh, the only very, very uh, involved analytics people get access to in the first level of rolled-up data. Mm. Most people operate at what we call the second level of roll-up. Right. You're actually rolling up do a lot more meaningful attributes. Much more
1: uh, aggregated sorts. Correct. And mm. that's
0: where the richness lies. Correct. The complexity is reduced because they don't have to do any, any, any more computation. And this layer, the second layer of rollup, is what forms the basis for almost every interaction that we do with Correct. the customer. Uh, this is also the data that flows into WebEngage for us. That's Correct. the layer that we basically mm. uh, push to WebEngage and that's where we decide our cohorts. That we, that's where we decide our flows and campaigns and everything.
1: Got it. So unification is sorted. Now in terms of, uh, let's say, segmentation, you mentioned those 20 buckets that you had, but right. that's one way of looking at Correct. it. But I'm assuming you have... Many different ways of breaking this audience down. Tier right. one, tier two, gender. Absolutely. So, what are the you know uh, most important uh, ways in which you break this down?
0: Uh, so the the most important way for us to break it down, the primary one is what we call the uh, the behavior or the repeat behavior of the customer. Okay. We bucket customers into new customers that we very freshly acquired. They've been with is us. Is there for, a frequency uh, value to this? Uh, one loan or less. One uh, loan or less. Okay. Uh, then is another part which we call early repeat. Early repeat are customers. And by the way, when I say one loan, as in the transactional credit spaces, this is one billing cycle. Right. Uh, then we so have... One some, loan and one repayment as well. Or uh, or one loan active, ongoing, whatever. Hmm. The first loan is where there is a very, hmm. very different set of communication. Sure. Very, very different set of education, information, messaging to the customer, because this is a customer where we want... But then you'll have the recency
1: variation also, no? Because there will be people who will be at this like from three days ago, but there will also be oh, people absolutely. who are like three months ago.
0: Absolutely. So within... So
1: frequency is the first cut
0: frequency is B0 the first to one. Cut. uh sorry uh, the way we do the first cut is we call these new customers that's one right. bucket but within new customers. we have hmm. many many different yeah, yeah so scored.
1: level 1 I'll right. come to level 2 for yeah. sure i know there's a much more right. deeper play
0: there The second uh, bucket is what we call early repeat customers within in their second to their fifth loan which is where they've kind of gotten ingrained in the system hmm. but they're still not people will say are super, super active. Sure. And the third set sort of customers are the late repeat. The late repeat.
1: This is a term that I'd heard from somebody in the B2C space called low frequency, that if you've taken four orders, the probability of repeating the fifth one is about 80%. Do you have a number like that in your
0: situation? So one of, yes. Uh, in fact, we call it the, uh, the R number. Uh, the R number. Okay. Uh, essentially, what we've seen is the first to second known conversion, yeah. uh, we see a drop of about 40%. Only right. 60% people stay back. Correct. Very surprisingly, second to third, third to fourth, fourth to fifth, all the went till ninth yeah. are all about ninety percent retention. There's no difference between second and third, Correct. and seventh and eighth. So after second, you kind of covered. Kind of covered. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, the reason for that is. The biggest uh, chasm for you to cross is the first to second. First to second. Yeah. Whatever experience and which is why there is a special bucket for us called making new. sure that you're doing all of that very yeah, very thoroughly. Because this is where we optimize, over optimize, obsess and
1: literally go fun fact, all consumer businesses the massively is exactly where this is. The first to second. And yes. You acquire a whole bunch of them but they don't come back which Correct. basically means your CAC is all written off and right. the whole business model falls apart because you don't have enough repeats. Correct. So yeah, absolutely. So the first to second is done. And second is what is right. good condition.
0: And third to fifth is also where we end up focusing on cross-selling them other uh, products. Then there is value creation of, value of value various kinds, of right? Things. And once the customer has gone to sixth or higher, at some level we know that this customer this is on autopilot. Is going to be, yeah, he's on autopilot now. But you also want going to graduate sure. from your and we kind of have platform. to kind of reinforcing to him that oh we'll serve you better than other people will now serve right. you because we know you very very well. <laughs> Uh, sixth alone is where their rates drop drastically. Where they externally? Yeah. No, the rates... On your platform as externally well. Externally drop drastically, and which is why our you rates also, also drop, drop as low as we can possibly go.
1: How fast are people moving from their this place to that place? Is there a cohort uh, they which do. is moving uh, super
0: so we actually end up... Uh, we Even in this uh, cohort, we still lose only 10% of customers every cycle. You lose 10% of customers. 10, 10% huh. every cycle, but they are all going to some... Traditional competitor. credit. And More also, by the maybe. way, uh, if you do just the calculation, right? By the time we're looking at the 6 we're already down to about 30 or 40% of, course, of the original cohort. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and hence, we have very, very less customers to play with. But we lose them over a period of 8-9 uh, months. But from so, your own economics,
1: I'm sure by now this is covered for you. Uh, yeah, so it? we
0: are almost all of our CAC, all of our mm. uh, I don't default Don't 40-80 rupee CAC any which way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter. No, no. So there is also a risk loss on the first loan, right? Course. So on the first cohort that we acquired at that 800 rupees, we see a much higher delinquency simply because we've been very lenient in acquiring customers. But
1: that's so instead we, of this CAC you're spending here, which correct, is fine. Correct, it's an 800 correct. rupee exposure. Exactly. So I mean, half the people would probably
0: be happy to pay that as CAC. Exactly. So that's essentially, by the way, the model. So yeah. We assume, uh, not that we experience, we sure. assume half of them will not pay. And well, the that's other half built into in, your model, right? Yeah. From your
1: economics perspective, Correct. you know that you're basically investing this money to just guess if he's going to play or not. The you know, gaming people put in that money in the wallet just so exactly. that guy will, you know, blow it away and then he'll want to play more. So Correct. that's all the addiction uh, exactly. on the game. So now, as far as the flow of people from this zero to one, uh, let's just say one to two, right? That's where the biggest part of the drop right. is and that's where the majority of your focus right. is. And after that, you have three, four, five, six and all, somewhat stable. But people are leaking to either more mature credit, uh, because they're getting a better price or they're leaking to, let's say, a competitor.
0: Uh, so, combination of both, quite frankly. Uh, and when we've always done the analysis is around the 6th or 7th cycle, they start leaking to more mature players. Because, because they're getting, getting a better deal. Ticket size. More than a better deal, actually, the attraction for them is a higher ticket size. Mm. Uh, all of a sudden, they start becoming eligible for loans So 5 lakhs, 6 lakhs. And ticket. your upper cap is? Our upper cap is 2 lakhs. You and won't go beyond that. It doesn't make sense for lakhs you to take very rare For all intents and purposes, mm. our upper cap is 1 lakh.
1: Okay, so for this guy now as far as his own credit appetite is concerned and is there like a chance of recovering? Do people end up coming back after a few months or typically do they uninstall the application? What's your point where you consider this guy is gone?
0: Uh, so, we basically have what we call a cooling off period of three months. If the customer is not transacted in three months, we mm-hmm. essentially put them into the dormant pool. Okay. Uh, very, very few customers ever come back from that. Uh, when they do, it's generally because their credit history has gotten, gotten worse. worse. And then yeah. again, we yeah. are then again slightly deeper. desperate for the yeah, possible loss. Yeah. So, they do become dormant. We've seen customers come back even after two years. We have customers yeah. now coming back from 2019. Well, super, uh, tiny base, I would yes, super tiny base. Yeah, super tiny ways. So uh, the
1: meaningful okay. meet for you is where uh, the zero to six journey is happening. And uh, would it make a lot of value prop for you to say that this ninety is nineteen? Can I make it ninety five? Do you? How does it weigh in your priorities? So we've
0: uh, we've not gotten there yet. Hmm. Uh, our focus right now is on making that One sixty to uh, higher. Huh. Even a 5% in that five percent increment. That's massive because that's that's, that's a compounding effect. That's all the journey. The other, uh, the more important factors are uh, for us are a bunch of metrics around. How likely is the customer uh, to pay automatically? Okay. So, one of the big differences between us and other lenders is we don't have an auto debit mandate set up. Okay. We always require the customer to come in voluntarily himself and pay. Pay using UPI. Just to so launch the app and then go to his UPI yes. and make a payment. Okay. Or, I mean, many modes to pay, you can also pay from a web link that is sent to him over an SMS. Hmm. Or he can just open the Paytm app and say that I have a lender called Kish, then he can pay using BBPS. Okay. Many ways for the customers to pay. This is all the kind of education we do to the customer hmm. in the early days that there are many ways for you to pay. But we need to remind the customer. He to pay in one
1: tranche or multiple?
0: He, can, he usually has to pay one EMI a month. Okay. Or he has to pay one bill for a ring in a month. Hmm. Now he can choose to pay in whichever he wants. He can pay 500. Let's say his total EMI is 5,000. He can pay 5,000 one shot or he can pay 500 multiple I'm times. I'm this is
1: also going to break down into a few segments, right? Because yes. the first transaction, the first loan that he's got, hmm. uh, there are value buckets within right. that. And Correct. then there are uh, recency buckets within that. Absolutely. And you mentioned the hmm. variable of uh, was the payment automated versus w- what? Automated. What is the alternative?
0: No, so it has to be, uh, the customer has to come and do a voluntary payment. We used to do mm-hmm. auto debit very, very with early nudges on. nudges
1: though. Yes. But you will send him reminders, SMS, whatever. Correct. But uh, with those, if he's doing it, versus?
0: No, there's no versus. Uh, we have to nudge him right. and he will come and pay. Correct. That's what
1: uh, And that's remember. where uh, your intensity of communication, reminders, whatever, will increase, increase. depending on the right. vintage or right. age of that. Thing. Right. So now, uh, as far as... Uh, the engagement with this guy is concerned. Uh, I would imagine that at uh, the one to 2 we'll stay within this right. bracket. Uh, the payment, whether it's due and it's overdue and how overdue is one variable. Right. But what else are the variables you're using to kind of decide so your the engagement? most plan?
0: important is what we call t-2, t-4, t-6, we brought the, the customers date. under the due date. how far away is huh? from the due date? that is what sets the intensity. Sure. The other one is we have an internal risk score for the customer, mm-hmm. that is, is a customer who's very likely to pay, mm-hmm. where the probability of default, the 1 to 20 buckets that we were talking about, where the probability of default is very low. Right. So we know that this is a customer who we have to send the fewest nudges or fewest reminders, maybe one or two reminder, in the right model will do the job for him. Uh, so it would
1: be fair to say that uh, at this point, your communication play will break into those 20 buckets or at least buckets. maybe groups of those groups 20, of 20 buckets, buckets yes. and say that this is, let's say, more frequent, more intense, more whatever, this is Correct. less so and whatever. Absolutely. And again, that will probably after more days pass by, that will also come back. Absolutely. Here. Absolutely.
0: Mm. Absolutely. And, you're, and what you uh, described is exactly what happens is like you see the likelihood of the default, plus you see how far away from the d- payment or how far uh, deep into the mm. red zone he is. Right. Uh, And that's how the intensity of the messaging changes. We also have different communication as he goes later and later into his bucket. Hmm. What happens is in the early days, uh, after he's already missed this payment, our reminder to him is only that, hey, Karan, you've missed your payment, Uh, you know, just uh, paid so that, you know, your bill gets cleared Mm -hmm. uh, and you get to continue using your limit because as soon as he's past due, his limit is essentially suspended. So our messaging to him is that you're past due. uh, and the tone of the message is, hey, it seems like you've forgotten. Here's a reminder, come back and pay. And, you know, uh, all things. Is that the reality? Over. A lot of cases, what, yeah, what person
1: people end up paying after a due date disp- with so reminders over there? We have
0: about uh, five days of grace period. So if you pay within the first five days of the due date, no harm due no
1: grace. Just to understand across buckets, the behavior, I'm assuming, would spike on the due date and maybe a few days before and maybe a few days after. Yes. But is there a let's say, a data set which is going beyond this side or this side and that there is value oh, in it.
0: There is actually, it's a bell curve, quite frankly, which, so there are customers and I think harping on your Airbnb example, there are customers who will take a loan in the morning, paid back in the evening. Be done. They have 30 more days to pay, right. but they'll pay on the same day. These, and we investigated deeply into these customers because that's a fraud indicator. We found right. out that these are actually these uh, vegetable vendors who are buying fresh Correct. produce in the morning. Taking credit from us, buying fresh produce. Perfect, right? Selling it throughout the day, taking the money back is like a loan each You know, BJAC
1: would kill for this. <laughs> <So, okay. laughs> Bijak is a business model, does this exact yeah, same thing, right? Exactly. The short-term yeah. working capital loans because they want to have, have commodity transactions in the morning, right. repaid in the evening. Correct. But okay. so we so, have the okay. one uh the customers one, two, two so assignments. Very, very early in
0: the cycle. Uh, T-Day is the peak. T-day is where the inter- intensity is the maximum, and almost all the customers want to actually pay on, on okay, tea right? day the, most optimal, way the pay. More, most optimal way to pay. Of course, is the grace
1: known or uh, not known? The note? grace
0: is not known. The way the grace works is our our penalty charges start from T plus one. Right. Technically, at least on the wave them off. For first five days, we don't charge them. Not only do we not charge them, if they don't pay, we don't even penalize them by reducing their limits hmm. or increasing their interest rates. The right. first five days are truly, truly grace. But of course, we don't communicate to them. Communicating a grace period is Obviously as good as is, you move yes. your uh, payment date by Correct. five days. So the grace period is always not known, mm-hmm. and also the grace period is something that we could change arbitrarily if we want to, right? Because we've taken consent of the customer to uh, do it at T plus mm-hmm. one itself. Mm-hmm. uh the, the, Our first payment reminder started T minus four, so we have one on T minus four, one on T minus. Typically,
1: a monthly cycle, right? From the yeah. first build date to the first payment date is fifteen uh, 30, days or 30, thirty days. Yes, and you will start reminding on the twenty-sixth day that your payment date is approaching.
0: Yes, okay. and uh, there is one on T minus four. There is one on T minus two. And there is a higher inten- intensity on tea throughout the day.
1: Sure. So also, there'll be multiple ma- I'm assuming whoever's paid exits automatically agree, out of this yes. whole thing, right? That's yeah.
0: one of the most fundamental things, one of the worst thing for us to do is once you've paid kindly or not paid, which
1: is yeah. so stupid,
0: people yeah. still do it. Oh yes. And it's surprising how many people still do it. Someone I mean, like my phone still Express get still don't get that, it. Yeah. American Express still does it? Yeah. Damn.
1: I met yeah. their CTO the other day. I should tell him stop. I mean, to use a language <laughs> like yeah, if that no, right. No,
0: no. So that is it, it is quite surprising and almost all of my uh, cards still do that, ignore it. Kindly ignore it. It's so annoying. Yeah.
1: But yeah, sure. So you don't do that, right? Of Thankfully. Thanks
0: for having it. Oh, th- even a single campaign getting misfired with that it just increases the spike on our customers so like, I are can like imagine are going, I yeah, exactly. it. It paid. have you guys not received my payment have I been fraud, fraud, uh, defrauded that's the kind of I customers. remember
1: you are mentioning that the customer expectation has become this way right yeah. he expects to be uh, digitally uh, serviced and he expects that you know this right I right. mean I made your payment why are Correct. you asking me again exactly so like with paid is a very annoying thing it's right. So now, as far as uh, this audience intensity is concerned, the messaging uh, is substantially spied uh, at a certain time window. Is there a channel play here? Uh, does the calls ever get involved?
0: Uh, uh, so yes, no, now we are actually, we've started doing IVR calls, uh, automated voice, a- automated mm-hmm. voice. And in fact, there we are actually experimenting with a one- bunch of voice boards that are incredibly human sounding voice boards. We are working with a company called Unifor. We are working with Google. Uh, we are working with a couple of other companies. We are actually doing a lot of pilots. But we believe right. that will have a different impact. Uh, channels are all the usual suspects. Uh, I will it's all parallel, email, sequential? All parallel, sequential. But uh, after in the later cycles, the, the early repeat and late repeat, we actually customize for the customer. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, in the first bucket, we know very, very little. The right. only customization that goes in the first cycle is customers choose a preference uh, of the communication language. So all of the communication is in their language of preference. To the extent that we support it. So the only uh, customization is the language preference of the customer's letter. We just customize to that. And there are how many of them now? Uh, So we at least give the customer the option of I think 12. Okay. But we currently only support some five or six. So Hmm. we do a force fit that even if he's chosen Bangla, we'll still force him to. But is that because of a technical limitation? Uh, Yeah, because we've not uh, technical, but. Operational limitation that we've not had, uh, you know, the right translators, all that. Okay. We thought we'd capture that <laughs> But this that is also
1: legally accepted messaging, right? Is there a regulation around yeah, no, no. whatever this so is? So there
0: has to be a communication in, in English at Asha. least. That's
1: a legal requirement.
0: Yeah. And the way we do it is we I kind of tell that our app is originally all in English. Hmm. In fact, our app is only in English. Uh, there's only this option of communication preference that we put. Right. Uh, but uh, it's not a hard <coughs> preference yeah. yet. It's a soft preference. Channel preferences is one, uh, communication, language preferences language. Is the other. Uh, we are also applying a filter, but not so strongly of the ticket size, the exposure okay. we have to that customer. Mm. The ones that are higher exposure for us are the more meaningful ones because we want to recover that. Will you chase them more? Or will you be a little uh, We would actually chase them more, the frequency will be slightly higher. Mm. And by the way, our, when, when I say frequency means slightly higher, we reach out to these customers once a day. Right. Uh, in the pre-delinquency period. Sure. Post delinquency, the maximum reach out is two times a day. Right. And the only exception is in the pre delinquencies, the higher uh, value customers will also get an IVR call. Because that has a higher probability of... Is there
1: a two way response there? Press one, press two, whatever? No, for
0: us, uh, we only take an indicator of whether it was picked up and heard for more than 10 seconds. Uh, And usually it's not 10 seconds, it's about 50% of the message. Hmm. And we kind of try to cater our messages as a the but first, that data
1: comes back to your eight uh, systems. It goes back
0: to Web Engage. And from Web Engage, that's how We know that this like guy heard the
1: calls, but yes. he still didn't do anything about Correct. it. Correct. Versus the guy didn't even hear the calls. So Correct. your journey will have a fork
0: there.
1: Yes. Awesome. So lots of variables uh, at play, but this seems like a reasonably sophisticated system while you still think it's a one-on-10. But the next part I would love to delve a little into is uh, personalization. So there is, of course. Uh, the content of the message, which is first name, the loan value, due rate, all that is standard presentation. It's pretty obvious in your uh, scenario. Is there more to it in terms of how your messaging style plays like uh, aggressive tone versus non-aggressive tone, language you already mentioned, is there anything else you play around?
0: Uh, No, I think uh, the aggressive tone versus non-aggressive tone and all the kinds of messages that we do. We know that certain types of customers, uh, you know, do value that their bureau scores don't get impacted. Sure. And the bureau scores getting impacted is not something that we can choose That oh, you know, because you're not paying your, we will r- reduce your bureau scores. Right. All we are supposed to do is just report your loan to the bureaus and, and calculate your bureau score. But what we want to do is to educate the customer that, hey, you this know, if you don't pay, it, it's quite likely that your bureau scores will get impacted and you might not be able to take hmm. notes in the future. So for certain sort of customers, we, you know, that becomes an important reminder. That
1: But at what point into who, which customers do you use this
0: So point? there is basically, again, uh, there are a, a sort of these campaigns that we do for the customers of beyond 10 days of mm-hmm. EMI repayment. Because that's where it starts really hitting their... Delinquency the is
1: slightly later okay. uh, mature stage. Okay. So my angle was, uh, this is again part of the journey and a certain stage. When I, mean, I was trying to talk about personalization. I would talk in the same vein as uh, it's a variable, right? The first name is a variable that's getting plugged oh, into it. the message. Okay. Uh, the due date is a variable getting plugged into the message, right. the language choice. I don't know if you do this at a split in the campaign level or personalized content level. You right. could do it both ways, by right. the way. But uh, are you doing anything more on that side?
0: Let me try to think very quickly on if you are doing anything else. I mean,
1: yours are anywhere highly customized. Right. But
0: no, I think this is currently the level of customer, yeah. view, which is where I believe uh, so, we do some customization by the way. Is mm-hmm. when the customer has paid, we also have a specific message right. for the customers who have paid. Who paid. And paid how early, how, how late. Ha. And so, in that message, we use a special string that right. there is uh, another loan waiting for you. Click on this link. Ah. And that link instantly takes them to that loan. And that loan is already personalized because we've seen the repayment behavior and everything. Right. Uh, with certain set of customers, we know we can't offer them another loan because they've paid too late for us to offer them another sure. loan so that link doesn't go in. Right. But one of the levels of customers you can do is as soon as you make a payment, we want to start. Uh, oh, so then this is like selecting. payment
1: behavior segmentation as well somewhere which will translate to what link is going. Correct. And how is this architected? I mean, is there like a set of universe of messages and a set of maps to no, use those No, so we've
0: actually just put as a the link as a variable. Right. And uh, the link is either there or not there. Achha. And the link for us is actually a hard-coded link, which just takes you back to the Kish tab or the ring app. Right, and, and your anyway, app is where you your yeah, personalization is. As soon as you get on the home screen, you will mm-hmm. see an offer that's one waiting for you.
1: Interesting, and you know, so personalization taking with one step, uh, you know, back and home, close home to the application experience itself. Is there, uh, I'm assuming from a loan eligibility, what is the value? Uh, that you're available for is anyways a personalized piece of info. Correct. But is there more to the user's first time, second time, third time, fourth time experience which gets personalized basis is whatever history, right? So the data points can get personalized but would you show let's say different cars, different campaigns, different offers, different upsells?
0: Uh, yeah, so one is uh, uh, let me slightly switch to the ring universe. Sure. That's where we're doing all, all of it's our all personalization. Yeah. Kisht was less personalized. One of the mm. big ideas with Ring was you're going to personalize it for every customer. So now what we're doing in Ring is our entire homepage is dynamic. Uh, we have a lot of campaign banners. The home screen is dominated by the products that we offer to sure. you. Depending on the customer's set of transactions in the first, uh, first billing cycle, mm. Mm. we kind of give either prominence to bank transfer, which is taking money into a bank account, right. or give prominence to the card payment and scan and pay, or give prominence to bill payment. Hmm. or give a lot of prominence to essentially rewards because we know hmm. some customers are reward seekers. Now all of this is personalized and by the way, just putting a big caveat in that also we are at level one of our personalization. We actually agree, have right. a massive roadmap for hmm. specifically for personalization and engagement right? Uh, it's a six month agenda for us right lately. and we have kind of just finished building the blocks, the fundamental agree, blocks right, right now. The next six-month roadmap for us is all about engagement and uh, loyalty, rewards and personalization. So I would love to dig a little deeper on this because it's something that we've developed or let's say in the
1: journey of developing as an offering because you know, while you have a large enough tech team and you can deploy all that bandwidth on making this happen, a lot of people don't but we're very right. big fans of personalizing the user experience pretty much from the first day itself. Right. And uh, you have all of these data points, you mentioned about reward seeking versus bank transfers and they are uh, different things that are important at different life stages. But on the day zero, just post KYC, also you have a bunch of those demographic information. Absolutely. Right. So if you were to just change the, uh, let's say the good morning uh, word or good afternoon word on the uh, main tile on the home screen to the language of the user where he's coming from, very simple kind of stuff, Right. right? Technically, this might need you to either work your back or you can use our back to make it happen. Okay. But is this something that, you know, and this is just language I'm talking about uh, Basic geography where there's so many other demographics, you know, the age brackets, it's right. a, if it's a 19 year old versus a 27 year old, Absolutely. there might be difference in the kind of thing they care about versus not care about. So this whole uh, data led personalization or experimentation with a different, uh, let's say, elements on the user interface. I hear you that there is a degree of attention to the subject oh, and there's a lot more.
0: Massive. In fact, uh, I mean, you have on a very, very important point. When we started Ring, right. uh, the whole purpose of starting Ring was the idea that we want to bring all of the products into one platform, Right, credit, payment, all shapes and form of credit, all shapes mm. in form of mm. payment in one platform. But you can't do it uh, in the Paytm format that everything is there. It's cluttered massively. Nobody's going to use it. Correct. Every customer is a different user. There are customers or customers of, say, one card in the uni who want to use a card, who want the card experience. For them, bank transfer is almost unimportant. Right. Uh, There are customers who are heavy users of scan and pay. So you want to surface scan and pay at the very, very top. Give all prominence to that. Just the color scheme different for rural customers and urban customers. The affluent people like a dark mode, right? Uh, the the not so affluent people like a light mode. So that all of those customizations you can do and they will really have an impact. And Absolutely, once you're trying to keep your customer engaged for a longer period of time, his comfort level with your app will also probably be a big factor in driving that. If a, at a lot of la- levels, the offering is commoditized. Right. UPA is an offering that is commoditized. Everyone's offering the same thing. Sure. And we are adding Upi to our app as well. Uh, we want to bring a differentiation, we want to tell him that oh, if you're using my app for credit, also use me for UPI and please, you don't need to use the other UPI apps, we are a one stop shop so for you. So I can imagine this will become your,
1: let's say, central hook to do all sorts of cross sales themselves as long as you're able to keep the user hooked as a in the first step. And that's why my question was that, uh, you know, and I, I'll bring you an example from the gaming industry. Uh, people who come from a certain set of channels and do a certain behavior in their first instance tend to have the highest non-repeat, highest bounce rate. Let's just say they'll exit the app and never come back. Right. Now, if you were to, in their first instance itself, uh, throw a pop-up and say that, you know, I'm loading this X amount of money in your wallet, hmm. continue playing. Right. Imagine the incremental delta that will come from oh, you. Absolutely. And every single day you have new customers coming in and who will go through this uh, slight nudge, which is on a test and control level, you can measure what kind of delta you're able to bring in. And it's insane. Uh, you're able to drive uplifts in consumer behavior with a bit of a predictive model on the first day of the install itself. Right. So if you were to even look at that 60% of number, uh, I would be curious what percent of people are coming back to the application versus not even coming back. Right. Those who have come back, how well personalized is their experience on the first screen itself and I would love to understand that a little more.
0: No, by the way, the point you're raising is very important uh, and that is one of the things that we want to get to very, very quickly. The right. first app open after right. you've done your registration on onboarding, when you come to the app home screen, Depending on what you see there, you're going to immediately form a perception Reception, of the app. Perception, absolutely. If you're a customer who's likely to use a card and we show you bank transfer, you'll say, All right, yeah, this is a loan app. I don't want a loan app. Absolutely. Versus a customer who wants to do UPI and you show him a card, he's like, I'm never going to use a card. Card is not my use case. Correct. That is a level of perception we are working towards. And mm-hmm. it's not an easy nut to crack. Really? Uh, it's, you know, I'm sure. From a perspective of business prioritization, it Takes very very low in our prioritization. We've spent the mm. last uh, it's been since last September. We've now spent close to a year and a half right. on the product, yeah. of which at least last nine months have been full fledged. The entire team has been working on the ring platform. We've only b- put the building blocks in place. Sure. We've not even come to the finesse of the product. Mm. The polish of the product is is the next uh, this thing. We have to bring engagement and loyalty first, and after that will be. Personalization. So, I'm not here to sell, I'm here to learn. You okay. might want to experiment
1: with a catalog and uh, recommendations as well as in app personalization components. I am actually some of going to do that
0: immediately because uh, the only reason we pushed it out, by the right. way, is because we've always thought of this personalization being a very, very difficult problem to crack. Uh, so, it's engineering of,
1: uh, required for Yeah, yeah of,
0: just the engineering for it is something that I've not been able to wrap my head around. Mm. How do we make it granular enough? but at the same time you know easy to manage it can't be that you have 100 courts and 100 core manage. The, the the complexity of even the product design for the engineering aspect of it is complex sure. uh, and you need someone who's done it uh, you know uh, for a living to come and bring you that you need a subject matter expert to bring it to you <laughs> Which is why mm. when you're saying that is already has something for that, I mean, I'd be very, very keen to explore Absolutely. that.
1: Absolutely. The reason I say that is because uh, the moment you put the tech together, you'll also need some sort of a mechanism for the marketer or the growth PMO, exactly. whichever your team is, to actually play around, right? I want to do this experiment, this experiment, this experiment, this work gets this, this guy gets this. Right. And there are insane number of permutations that can happen, exactly. right? Because segmentation variables are available. Right. Now, people from Mumbai versus people from Delhi, you want to do different things? Sure, by all means. Right. So right. it's a playground, you want know, to make it available to your... Uh, Let's say product manager or whoever's the guy looking at this. And that's what we would love to enable. Anyhow, back to it. So aspiration-wise, you mentioned that this is all there and you want to get there. And this is coming from a conviction that this is valuable from an incremental impact on business?
0: Yes, it will have a massive uh, impact on the long-term value of the customer and essentially... That's, that's that's the core of your the, play. And the 90 to 60 is where is I'm. Decided, yeah. uh,
1: the 90 to 60. The, the first to second transaction, the jump from let's say 100 people to 60 people, is where your right. biggest focus essentially Absolutely. is, and the compounding effect. Comes right. from there. right? And you mentioned the whole value of the company. So, you know, one of the things we believe very strongly in as a culture, Webbing is an 11-year-old company, in case you didn't know. Right. So, we very built very sustainably, somewhat profitably, never been very, very deep on our burns. And I love right. how you've been thinking about right. this whole CAC topic as well. So, uh, we also feel that uh, thinking thoroughly about your retention and equations in early days is very critical for your long-term viability itself. Right. If you don't track these metrics and don't do enough about them in their early journey itself, you'll likely have a slightly harder time. And, you know, last year was a funding boom, a couple of years, maybe more, but this year is not. So if your business is going to be susceptible to these cycles, then you will likely have a hard time at some point. So we very strongly relate the idea of good user retention with good sustainable business practices. And that's very, very strongly knit up for us. And I see that, you know, in practice happening here because you're very cognizant of each of these topics to be thought through. And does it have to do with the fact that this is the third startup you're doing or this is the second startup
0: you're doing? Uh, so no, I, or also I mean, the journey of the last seven it's years, more it's more of the DNA of all of, all of the founders, the founders. Uh, we've always, uh, so first of all, I think we are exactly like you, for us, sure. it's never been, we've never been in the business of burn huh. uh, and then we will grow right. and then figure out how to make money. Right. One uh, is a, in the lending industry, by definition, you can't be thinking of a model where you burn and then grow and then try to figure out how to manage these hmm. customers. In lending, you have to make money. I mean, the, that's the whole nature of the sure. business. In lending, if you're losing money on every loan you're doing, you're doing something incredibly criminal. Mm. Uh, that's, that's the I'm, way we I wouldn't be
1: surprised if half the audience or half the of your competitors <clears throat> are still
0: doing that, right? Because all uh, that money they, getting... Yeah, see, everyone okay. again has different motivations and uh, different strategies. Uh, and that's where uh, the founder DNA comes in. Our, mm. our DNA has always been very, very strongly that um, either you are uh, already making money or you have a very, very precise roadmap to the place where you make mm-hmm. money. Every customer we acquired this month we are going to lose money on it for the next three months. But we know for a fact that fourth, ma- fourth month, fourth we month are going fine. to recover mm. at a cohort level. Sure. Uh, we have never done businesses where we knew the outcome was losing money. We might have lost money because of some sure. unintended, uh, unforeseen circumstances, mm. but we never go down a path. Oh, let's do this because it's going to get us scale. We get us a lot of customers yeah. and then we will figure out what to do with this basically cross sell, mm. upsell. No, mm. that's not mm. how we think of it. Um, but that's more uh, to do with all of our DNA aligned, we've mm-hmm. been uh, very intent on saying that we want to create a valuable franchise, we want to create a long term sustainable company, almost every fundraise we've done that's been to grow uh, either newer channels or newer sure. models, uh, but never to say that oh we want money because we've burnt or blown through the last set of money and we now need more money to acquire more customers to keep going. At Swiss is the business that will IPO in what?
1: X number of years? We uh, have we set
0: already. We are no, we are, we haven't for like we haven't set a date as such. Uh, we at least internally we are a minimum of three years away from an IPO. Sure. Uh, with with the lending, you need to be a certain size. Of size the book, to be
1: meaningful. Uh, mm-hmm. To be
0: meaningful, and uh, we are not there yet. Sure. And, uh, this is a
1: journey. The way it looks the good like
0: part it. Part is we are profitable. Uh, we are growing very healthily. We are getting a lot of debt from the market to grow. So our growth is not getting curtailed by of your own access to capital. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we are we are in a good spot, and um, we'll uh, plan to go public when the time is right. Awesome.
1: You know, this would be towards the end of last part of my conversation. So I'm just going to bother you with some data-related topics, uh, just at a super macro level, uh, on the sole user data dashboard engagement. Some of these metrics. What are the key KPIs that you, at your level, care about on a daily basis?
0: Uh, it's a be slightly transferring again. The the biggest KPI for us is the default rates. Default rates, yeah, sure. But, uh, because that's one of the most. And important you said this ten days after the due date. Uh, no, so for us, the default rate is sorry. We the there are two specific numbers we look at. We look at the T-day bounce rate, which is yeah. how many people did not pay on the due date. Sure. Which number is usually in the eighty to eighty-two percent range because again voluntary payments. So about a good twenty percent pay after the due date. Okay. But it immediately tapers down. Tapers down. And what we look at is the uh, T plus ten day number, which is right. how many customers haven't paid on that. Because the T plus ten day number is no, a very, a very, very, very strong indicator uh, of where you're heading. Uh, that's one of and the. And is that thing.
1: in line with your predictions
0: or not? Yes, in line with. Usually, predictions it's or not. to one
1: decibel. It's in line. Correct.
0: It's usually supposed to be, but there are always some trends some that surprise surprises. us. Uh, even as simple So this as, is an everyday morning thing. It's an everyday morning thing. Discipline it's, to that level. By like. the way, it, the, it brings out a lot of trends. Of course uh, So it does. TDA number not being in line, hmm. generally always is an indicator that there was a payment in UPI yesterday. So there are many of these outages that affect sure. UPI at, a, hmm. at an industry so level. A technical,
1: operational, several topics, Absolutely. but it also goes back to what kind of customers did you acquire. It, it actually, has exactly. bearings on a lot of things.
0: Yes. So that's one. one. All of a sudden in the day, the number looks better than it's supposed to be. Uh, and Uh-oh. I just immediately check with the analytics team and that will mean that, okay, exactly 30 days ago, they launched the new model. Correct. And that has already, you know, if, you if I'm positively accounts. surprised, the first call is to the analytics team. If I'm negatively surprised, the first call is to the payments team that did something go wrong uh, <laughs> sure. with the payment setup. Hmm. That's uh, that's one of the most number important numbers we look at. The the number two is the number of new customers acquired every day. That That is because we are actually in a phase of the company where... That number is, is super important because that's going to build up the, the funnel for almost all the products Everything for for uh, future. This is installs or first transactions? These are first transactions. Okay. So the bottom of the funnel for mm-hmm. new customers acquiring each day, uh, the other set of metrics that at least we've been keenly looking at right now is how many new merchants we've acquired. What is the efficacy of the sales team? Uh, you know, one of the things so that down is... The
1: org, of course, there are several metrics, I'm correct. sure, that are being enabled. Yeah. Right? I was curious at you your level. So, so at my, my level, the, the
0: one is default. default, the other is new customer acquisition. The third is number of new merchants acquired. Mm-hmm. And the fourth one that we started tracking very closely right now is number of customer escalations. How many people called the call center, how many were missed calls, how many missed calls were returned. So that's an indicator and of customer experience means. in yes. some sense. Uh, yes. And for us, what has happened is because of a lot of changes that have happened because of regulations, We've had to turn a few products off uh, and all Mm, of that. The prepaid card thing. Uh, And yeah, we had to move customers from one product to the other car product. And all of a sudden they were they were slightly shaken. And this is happening right at the time where we're trying to build a positive brand experience. Right. So it's become a very, very important metric for us that, okay, the customers, we know the customers are dissatisfied. What's the quantum and are there any, any things that we can learn from mm. this customer that we can offer them as an interim stopgap. Right. So we're kind of bringing all the products back now, mm. uh, in partnership with uh, all of our banking partners, but with the blessing of RBI and NPCF. Sure. Uh, but while we do that, the customers have been... This is a bit of a it's, it's, uh, journey. Yeah, so we have been very, very closely paying attention to what is irking the customer. And are there any interim stopgaps you can do? It's mm. it's difficult to have a customer base that was loving your product. All of a sudden you tell them that oh, the reason you were loving a product is gone. Please yeah. take this temporary product as a replacement mm. while we go and fix things for you. Uh, and that's, that's, uh, so that's the truth of the whole industry, right? That uh, Everyone, yes.
1: Everybody kind everyone. of thought they would get away with it, but somehow they couldn't. Yeah, but yeah. RBI has taken a very, Correct. very strong stance as well. Right. Okay, so this is the daily thing. What happens uh, and who owns this whole one-to-two thing in your org and how's that team?
0: Uh, so the one-to-two thing in our org is own. Uh, and so one of the things I think, uh, I think we cover only partly is we have essentially two analytics team. One is the right. risk and business analytics team yeah. that is largely looking at the risk models, Correct. the performance and all of that we do have a separate team, which is the product analytics team. The product analytics team is the team that is largely looking at mixed panel, Hmm. seeing the flows, how much time the customer is spending, how many clicks is he doing, all of that. Uh, So both of these uh, operate very, very independently. The product analytics team uh, rolls up. the roll KPI and converting funnels. Correct. Uh, And uh, on a day-to-day basis, the largest numbers we look at are the business numbers. Hmm. What we look at on a longer term view are uh, the funnels, how many customers are getting retained, if they're getting retained, how they're changing their patterns on what product they were using Mm -hmm. in the beginning, what product they're using towards the end, Uh, whether their intensity of transactions is reducing. As soon as we see a trend of reducing intensity of transactions, you know, this is a customer on is all Yeah. Uh, and the, those are the things that the team, the product his team are at least trying to maximize. So would this be owned by product analytics, the first loan
1: first to second loan journey, the 60% number that you really want to make sure you're getting no, attention so to? No, so the
0: first to second, we are at least the thesis, by the way, for mm-hmm. us right now is more of a pricing right. uh, issue rather than a product issue. Hmm. Uh, but one way to put it is actually both of them are trying to solve it independently. Sure. We don't know which. So the, the
1: risk team ends up giving you the price bracket as to what kind of uh, price at which you can give prices, him loan.
0: What is the cashback we can give him, what are right. the incentives or we can give him. do you incentivize
1: or excite him or exactly. whatever. And the actual execution for this whole thing is, uh, I'm assuming, is there a technically automated system where yeah. they put in the score and then that comes back to the surface Correct. and manifests itself. Yeah, the, so
0: the the... Uh, the pricing change model where from the first cycle to the second cycle second to third if you want to ever change a prices, it's a completely right. automated system right. where just the, the analytics team has to say that this is the flow that has to be followed mm. if the customer is in his first cycle has paid on time in the next cycle, is, is interest rate should drop by three percent. Is limit should increase no, by hundred. I find
1: it very interesting. Is the room to experiment and play around with stuff where exactly. this team and this team end up working in sync. I'm going to show this guy these three things. Right. Let's see if he responds better to this one or not. Yes. And then we can kind of take a
0: call on one of the which things works. that I think we've not been able to do very easily is this mm-hmm. this kind of an A/B testing on the pricing. Right. Uh, that's more to do with operational bandwidth that we've had. Funny. Uh, the same
1: thing that I told you might solve for
0: that, might solve for this as well. Okay. So we have some no, stuff to follow up on. Yeah. So we certainly do. A-B testing has actually been one of those A-B testing on pricing. It's been one of those things that at least I have been uh, clamoring You'd about. would love to do, right? I'd it's love to do. So it's much just, more power in your hands. Yeah, suddenly. but uh, we struggle because, you know, it's one is to actually do the A-B testing. But then we already have difficulty enough to decipher some of the output from... Right customer view. It's not that easy, right? It's not that, oh, so, look so even the, the product team has its own thousands
1: of tests going on. I'm Correct. sure they Correct. have their own plays. but yeah. uh, those are the most critical, let's say business implications, Right. the score, the kind of uh, limit and the kind of value you're able to give to that guy yeah.
0: that might end up being a big determinant of whether he moves to the second or not Correct. Right, in some sense. Even with the 30 member analytics team, we have such a massive backlog that something like this can just has not been prioritized I can imagine
1: you're so now stepping back for a moment since you mentioned you're still on day one of uh, your journey on personalization and user engagement what is your idea of a Nirvana
0: picture Uh, so uh, to be honest uh, from a product perspective I think what we have built in Ring is one of the things that I always thought was a very very good product for India you know UPI uh, credit card Credit on UPI and uh, bill payment, transfer to friend, transfer to bank account, all of it in one place, but presented in an in interface, uh, which is super, super customized, very, mm. very meaningful to use. Literally, the thing on the surface should be the one that you're most likely to use, which by default which does use is personalization, personalization. right? Mm. Uh, and trying to be able to offer the right pricing to the customer ultimately again going harping back to the same point you have to be profitable right can't offer just upi and even the cost of running servers for upi is is insane, it's and, insane. yeah uh, that you can't do it uh, sustainably but in india there are pockets of customers who you will have to service at zero rupees hmm. there are customers who will pay you 10 rupees for every thousand rupees you lend them there'll be customers who pay you 30 rupees because those are the market forces acting in sure. that way you could always have a product that is used universally by all segments of India. You are profitable at a, at a uh, entire yeah. customer base or a company And level. you still have a head, headroom to grow massively. And you have a headroom to grow and you can have a product that essentially you can address to everyone. You can essentially do a TVC and everyone who sees this will find the product. Something relevant. or the other. Uh, because the moment
1: they've installed the application, you know enough about
0: them to do whatever you want to correct, do. Correct. It. And that's that's what the Holy Grail for us is. I think we are well along the way. Personalization for us is a mystery. Uh, getting this pricing absolutely bang on correct is going to be a challenge. World journey. Uh, you know, a, even the fringes, on the fringes, you want to get it right. Of course. Because all of a sudden, at the scale at we, which we are imagining, uh, the fringes even the smallest people. delta will will lose, will absolutely. add or subtract a million people. Those people become detractors to your product, have a cyclic effect. Yeah. On the other side, they could have become promoters for your product, yes. and you could have had a virtuous cycle. So that's essentially what we are looking for. Hmm. Very
1: interesting. So how do you keep the energies high? It's a long journey you've already been on and it seems like you're here to stay for a fair bit of time. You are talking about an IPO and not to selling out to a PTM or whatever, which is great to know. How do you keep the energies
0: high? so, I think the energy uh, has automatically been high because of the one is in, in a good way or a bad way, RBS kept us on our toes. <laughs> of course. Uh, but no, the, <laughs> the challenge of working on an exciting product has not only kept me and the other founders super energetic. Uh, But the team is automatically motivated. You are throwing Mm. new problems to them to solve every day. And I think that is what they love. What has also happened is while the scale has kept growing, all of a sudden you are solving the same problem that you were solving last year, but at a completely different scale, with a completely different expectation Mm. of, uh, uh, you know, responses and results. Uh, And that is what keeps the team excited. One of the big uh, wins for me is the attrition of the tech and product team is incredibly low. You know, I was solving Scalability problem when we are going from 100 loans a day to 1,000 loans a day. Right. And now I'm solving scalability problems of going from <clears throat> 10,000 loans a day to one lakh loans a day. Right. Uh, same problem, completely different solutions, uh, and that's what keeps you excited. I think you're It keeps you growing, uncovering a different layer of the onion, hmm. uh, and that's keeps you excited. Very interesting. Uh, product problems are some things that I think all of us love have to solve. The founders, the engineering team, the product team. All of a sudden, you tell them that see the the only problem is customers are not going from cycle 1 to cycle 2 everyone has a different interpretation out right. of the problem and i think everyone is chasing that in different ways some say mm-hmm. that oh if i just increase the speed of the interactions people will be happy about the app and they'll stay for longer that's what the engineering team it's thinks hypothesis that, one sure. yeah, product teams think that you know personalization is missing we need to give right uh, you know experiences to the customer mm-hmm. for them to stay back we need to compete with google and phone pay and the experience part of it right and uh, the engagement and loyalty team says oh we need to have all the features that cred has give them rewards give them spin the wheel give them coupons they will stay back at some level uh, we are actually trying to do throw everything at the yeah. wall to get that 60 to increase we'll but with the right level of prioritization
1: awesome so when was the last time the radar team actually threw some information at you which actually amused you um
0: uh, that's an interesting question let me think about that for a moment
1: it happens to us all the time
0: oh i mean uh, very recently uh, and again this is a data point that's again circulated back to us a good 7 or 8% of our customers are Sybil 800 plus and have a credit card already and these are customers who are the late repeat customers who are using our app uh, often and right. they are paying a transaction fee of about 1-1.5% so they they have a credit card that they could always use they have a good civil score they could have gotten to an HDFC or SBR they, they would have had a lazy pay account or a simple right. account as well all of a sudden, we were wondering, why are these customers using mm. us? And we did a sample set of the customers. And they said that, oh, you know, I go to the Kiranala Kiranawala, I ring this thing. Almost any other way to pay is complicated. Mm. And he says that I use about 16, rupees a month. The the, mm. the number that I have to pay you comes to 30, 40 rupees. Who cares? As, who cares? Like yeah. I'm, for the convenience, I pay that because I, I sometimes I don't have m- money in my bank account and I don't have money in my wallet. Just good Sybil doesn't mean that you are, uh, you know, you are... Um, always on a savings account. Mm. He's like, sometimes at the end of the month, I run out of money and my grandma has a ring sticker. So I use it. I'm like, okay, it's it's, this is the part of transaction credit. If you're present at this place where the customer needs credit, all of a sudden, all the other rule books go out of the window. 7% of your audience. Yes. This is an entirely amazing opportunity to unlock, right? Very surprising. And we, I mean, for us, you know, this, this uh, just reeks, uh, speaks loudly against every single rule of credit. Which is very interesting. A customer who has already has access to credit has actually gone to another platform, which is significantly worse for him, and uses it for convenience. We truly believe, and one of the theses with Ring is convenience is going to bridge a lot of these Hmm. divides. Our cost of fund difference, the the one that we struggle with right now, can be bridged at least to a certain extent if we do uh, you know uh, basically personalization well, convenience. uh, It has to be a very very efficient product. Uh, you know, just the experience might solve for some of the cost of funds uh, gap that we experience against larger lenders.
1: Alright, so I come to my final question. Aside of farming and flying drones, how do you recharge your own batteries?
0: Uh, so I think for me, for a very long time now, for the last couple of years, I think farming has become a way to recharge my so batteries. It's every weekend there now? Uh, it used to be every weekend uh, when we were working from home. Now it's actually become once about, a, about once mm-hmm. a month. Uh, all of a sudden, after COVID, has lifted all the social commitments are back in play. Yeah. You have to attend a wedding, a baby shower, a birthday, a baby's birthday, and all of that. <laughs> so that's actually what's <laughs> taking up the weekends. Uh, but besides that, it's uh, you know all the vanilla items. Uh, I love to travel, so I try yeah. to get out of Bombay as as frequently as possible. But I think the best way for me to recharge has been farming. I mean, there is yeah. a different joy in life to uh, you know to create and of, watch it patiently, yeah, patiently grow. Yeah. And the greenery, the aspect of just fresh air, lots of greenery, no concrete around you is, is recharged by itself.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much, Karan. This has been a very, very interesting conversation. I have okay. learned quite a bit about the state of retention marketing, at least at Kish and Ring. I'm sure there's a lot other organizations have to learn and pick up from their playbook. Uh, we hope to do more of this. Thank you so Thank much, you. Karan. Thank you so much, Ankur. <laughs>